O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. We will give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor." Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. We will give glory to him, because he has shown his mercy to us.
The Old Testament lesson for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is written in the sixth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. One called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin forgiven. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the 11th chapter of Romans, beginning at the 33rd verse. Brothers, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past tracing out! 
For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it will be repaid to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and sittest upon the cherubim, and to be praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, and above all to be praised and glorified forever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, and to be praised and exalted above all forever. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see God's kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he can't enter into God's kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it wants to, and you hear it sound, but don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Amen, amen, I tell you, we speak that which we know and testify of that which we have seen, and you don't receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended out of heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Here ends the Gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise and magnify him forever. Blessed art thou, O Lord, in the firmament of heaven, and above all to be praised and glorified forever. Praise him and magnify him forever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Praise him and magnify him forever. Whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. 
but the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal, just as there are not three uncreated or three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. In the same way, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, the Holy Spirit almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord, and yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also are we prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. The Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. Thus there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal, so that in all things, as has been stated above, the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity is to be worshipped. Therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity. But it is also necessary for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is the right faith that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at the same time both God and man. He is God, begotten of the substance of the Father before all ages, and he is man, born from the substance of his mother in this age. Perfect God and perfect man, composed of a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father with respect to his divinity, less than the Father with respect to his humanity. Although he is God and man, he is not two, but one Christ. One, however, not by the conversion of the divinity into flesh, but by the assumption of the humanity into God. One altogether, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For as the rational soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. At his coming all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. In the Gospel according to Matthew, 
is told a story, a time when our Lord took his 12 apostles to a, far re- to a faraway region called Caesarea Philippi. And there, alone and removed from the rest of the world, our Lord asked them a question. Who do men, that is, what does the world, say that I am? And the disciples give the answer. Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Which, their answer sounds a lot like what Nicodemus said to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus in the world, this is what they confess of Jesus. He's a teacher and a prophet. Of course, look throughout all four Gospels and you'll see that people like the Pharisees and the unbelieving Jews, they had a much worse confession of Jesus. They claimed he was a Samaritan, that he had a demon, that he worked for Satan. In the ancient world, at the time of our Lord, these were how the confessions ranged. Anything from he has a demon to those who said he was a teacher and a prophet of God. But one thing all those confessions of the world had in common is this. All confessed that Jesus was a man, only a man, nothing more than a man. Now these confessions of the ancient world really shouldn't surprise us. They're not much different than the confessions of Jesus that the world has today. Some people still utterly despise him, such as the unbelieving Jews or perhaps those who think like Ayn Rand and think that Jesus is a fool. Some confess that Jesus was just a wise man, a good teacher. So not much has changed there. Others, like the Muslims, confess that he was a great prophet. Others, like the Mormons, confess that, well, that he's a separate but lesser God from the Father. Or there's the Jehovah's Witnesses who claim that Jesus was a creation, a man that God made divine. Even other religions, which aren't Christian heresies like those two, tried to claim Jesus. Some Buddhists confess that he was a Buddha. Some Hindus will claim that he was a great guru and even a divine brother of Krishna. All politics as well try to claim Jesus for their own. Listen close enough and you'll be told how Jesus would fully support these round of tax cuts on one side. Or the other side will say that Jesus is a love is love, judge not progressive like they are. Many of the world's confessions today claim Jesus was a man, only a man, nothing but a man. There's a few that will claim that he is a God or was made by God to be a God. But they refuse to confess that he is one with the Father, that he is a person of the Trinity, that he has always existed from eternity. So maybe just a little higher than a man, but not much. And so if Jesus had asked us the same question as the disciples, we'd answer in much the same way that they did. But after they get done answering, Jesus asked them one more question. But who do you say that I am? Under their own reason and strength, there's absolutely no way the disciples should answer any differently than Nicodemus or the world had. And same goes for us under our own reason and strength. 
We couldn't confess any differently. Yet Peter stands up among the twelve and confesses on their behalf, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And notice what we confess this morning. In our prayer, we pray to the Trinity, saying, Almighty and everlasting God. And in the Athanasian Creed, we proclaim, we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. Our confession and the world's confession, they couldn't be any more different than they are. And so we sit here wondering, like Nicodemus, how can these things be? And notice in our gospel today, our Lord rebukes Nicodemus for being a teacher of Israel and not knowing these things. But in Matthew 16, after Peter confesses who Christ is, our Lord tells him, Blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this confession and faith to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's who revealed it to Peter. Nicodemus and the world reject the word of God and try to come up with a confession on their own, which is always blind and wrong. But we prayed this morning, Almighty and everlasting God, who has given unto us in confession the truth of our faith. You see, our confession was given and revealed to us. This confession and faith is not ours by our own reason and strength. We didn't think of it on our own. We didn't come up with it through some scientific study. We didn't win it by our victory in business or war or politics. If we did have a confession from our own reason and strength, it would be like the world's. Our beliefs would be false. Our gods would be false idols. Who on their own could think up of the Trinity? So this confession is the true faith. It is yours, it is ours, given to us as a treasure from above so that we may claim it as our own. And this faith has been given to us by grace, without any work from us. But still, this confession and faith come with a price. Because while this confession was not revealed to us by the flesh and blood of men, it was revealed to us in the flesh and blood of the Son of God on the cross. The creeds which we confess may at times feel like mere repetitious words, like we're just saying them, like they're an abstraction. But really the creeds and the faith are much more than that. The creeds and the faith, they are the concrete, the physical flesh and blood of Christ in which God is revealed and seen and heard, even tasted. The confession of faith is not mere words. The confession of faith is the truest and highest reality that we live in. For my catechumens here, this is why I have pounded into your head week in and week out that Christianity is the flesh and blood of Christ. It's in the flesh and blood of Christ, in the flesh and blood of the Son of God, that He has revealed to us. It's in the body of Christ given for us on the cross where the, heart of the Father, where the heart of the Father is revealed. It's in the Word and the blood and the water of Christ where the Holy Spirit is revealed and given to us. Without the body and blood of Christ, without this confession, without this faith, there is no such thing as Christianity. It's in the flesh and blood of Christ where the glory of the Trinity is known 
and in which the unity of God is adored. It's the flesh and blood which we confess and to which our faith clings. That is Christianity. All the other world's confessions are blind to the truth. But to you, in your confession of faith, in the truth of faith, you have been given all this. And so with this, with this confession of faith, we have to ask, what does it mean that the Trinity and unity have been revealed to us? What does it mean that we know the glory of the Trinity and that we adore, that we adore the unity, such as we pray today? And it can feel like nonsense at times when we confess this, but this is a doctrine and theology which is not illogical. It is the reality that is far above our own reason and strength. We can't reach up to it. Even the top theologians of the church, like Athanasius, couldn't explain or wrap their head around the Trinity. And so as we have this divine mystery given to us, this confession given to us, what are we to do with it? It's not given to us to explain it, to study it scientifically. Instead, it's given for us to meditate upon in our minds and hearts. For instance, we pray that in this faith that we know the glory of the Trinity. That's what we pray in the collect. The, we know the glory of the Trinity. We'll meditate on the scriptures that we heard today. And they'll tell us about this glory of the Trinity. It's the glory of God which is set above the heavens. Yet it also fills the earth. It's the glory of Christ that broke the darkness of the world as he was raised up on the cross. And it's the glory with which our Lord was crowned when he ascended into heaven as a man to be seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the glory in which all things were created of and through the Son of God. All creation was created through him in his glory. And it, this is the glory of his death and resurrection where all things are made new in him. And where we're also given to him. Which is what that passage in Romans says. Of him, through him, and to him are all things. Meditate on that for a bit. All creation was originally created of and through the Son of God. Why did that happen? So that by his death and resurrection, all the baptized and all creation may be made new in him and in baptism be given to him. All that happens so that the church, his bride, may be given to him. So all power in heaven and earth may be given to him. You were created through Christ, then recreated in Christ, so that you may be given to Christ to live with him in his glory forever. That was God's plan all along from creation, for you to be given to Christ. That's the glory of God. The glory of God is that the Father loved the world. He loved you so that he gave his only Son. The glory of God is that the Son was lifted up on the cross for you. The glory of God is that the Spirit was sent to you in baptism so that the Spirit may bring you to Christ and that by the Spirit you may believe in Christ and in the divine name. 
so that by believing in the eternal trinity, you may be given life eternal in Christ. That's the glory of the trinity. That's the glory you now know intimately, that you confess that you live with it. Then, was also, then we also prayed that we in faith have been given in the power of majesty, we said, to adore the unity. That was in our prayer. So let's meditate on that as well. What is this power of majesty? What is this power? Well, this power in our readings is the divine power in which Christ performed miracles. And by performing miracles, showed his majesty. That's what caught Nicodemus' eye. This power is all the power of heaven and earth being given to him in the resurrection. It's the power of God when he sends his spirit to us. And in divine power, the sinner, or in divine power, the spirit takes us sinners and makes us born again of water and the spirit. Listen to Nicodemus how impossible that thought is to be born again. And yet in the power of God, that's just what happens. You're born again in water and the Spirit. This is the divine power which opens our eyes to see the kingdom of God. This is the power which takes us from the kingdom of this world and brings us into the kingdom of God which we never could have got in before. Consider how majestic this kind of power has to be. A power which brings us from the miserable confession of the world to the beautiful confession of the true faith of Peter. The beautiful confession of the Athanasian Creed which we just confessed today. It's a power to open our eyes so that we go from asking with Nicodemus how can these things be to instead today confessing this is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. To go from one to the other takes power. And it's by this majestic power that as the Father loved us, so we love Him in return. We couldn't love God before, but by His power, we now love Him. So that just like at the end of Matthew, in the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we hear about the disciples gathering around Christ on the mountain and worshiping Christ. They wouldn't have done that before. But with, under the power of God, under the power of the Spirit, they go to worship Christ. And that's what we do. We gather around Christ together on the mountain of His church and worship Him in the confession of the true faith. On this mountain, the omnipotent, almighty God reveals He is always with us in His power. Wherever you go, whoever you're with, or if you're alone, there is God with you. Because He's almighty. That's His power. This is the majestic power in which we adore and worship the unity of God. Us worshiping God doesn't happen on its own. It's by His power that we're able to do so. And this is the power of God which we are strengthened by as we eat and drink at this altar. And as we meditate on all that is given to us, this confession, this faith, this glory of the Trinity, this adoration of the unity, all the things we prayed about, as we meditate on those things in our readings, what we should begin to see is that in Christ, by the Spirit, 
the Father has given us to endure steadfastly in this faith. Because in this confession of the true faith, that's where our life is. And that is our fortress. We pray today that God would, by the steadfastness of the same faith, fortify us against all adversities. To be fortified and protected in the faith is to be baptized into the name of the Trinity, to be brought into the Trinity. That's what happens. You're baptized in the name of Christ. You're brought into the body of Christ. And being brought into the body of Christ, you're brought into the Trinity. In our baptism, living in the Trinity, that's our fortress. That's our protection from all the adversities of the world. Because where else can we find protection from all adversities other than in God Almighty? This is why we preach stay in your baptism. This is why we say come to church. This is why we proclaim stay in the word and prayer. Because the water and the spirit have brought you into the body of Christ, into the church, into the trinity. And so we say, come to church, because what we mean is, stay in the fortress. Because here in the Trinity, you will be protected from all adversities, so that you remain in life eternal. Yes, we might be persecuted and die, but they can't take life eternal from you in this fortress. Because in this fortress of the Trinity is forgiveness, glory, majesty, wisdom, and the power of God. All of that protects you. All this is what you were brought into in baptism. All this is what you feast on at this altar. This is what strengthens you. In fact, so powerful is this fortress of the Trinity. So powerful is this true faith in confession that even when this confession of faith comes out of the mouths and coos of babes and infants, that confession from their lips is enough to silence all enemies, the devil himself, and bring them to nothing. That's how powerful this Trinity is. He can silence enemies through infants. So as we come to the Lord's table today, May we leave here confessing our faith always, living in our baptism, staying in the fortress, meditating on this reality, and now come to eat and drink the body and blood of our Lord, which reveals all this to us so we may remain in life eternal. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all things keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We praise Thee, O God, we acknowledge Thee to be the Lord. All the earth doth worship Thee, the Father everlasting. To Thee all angels cry aloud, the heavens and moon above therein. To Thee cherubim and seraphim, Oh
O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who has given unto us, your servants, grace by the confession of a true faith, to acknowledge the glory of the eternal trinity and in the power of the divine majesty to worship the unity. We beseech you that you would keep us steadfast in this faith and evermore defend us from all adversities. Who lives and reigns ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. 
and in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. 